0: Yo, what's up? It's and Jones with the Basketball to Business Podcast, and if you're new to this podcast, I want to quickly tell you about what you're probably doing here. So two years ago, I quit my full-time corporate job to build a basketball training business, and interviews like the one you are about to listen to are the reason why I was able to do it. I want to share this wisdom with you out there if you have the same ambition to build a basketball training business and do it full-time. Now, for some context for our guest, on this episode. He's the founder of B Ball 101, Elite Player Development, based out of Atlanta, Georgia. My man was a bucket, scored 1,600 points plus points in his playing career, 400 rebounds, 200 steals, 100 blocks. Uh, he's an OG in the training space. That's from my perspective. And he's got a ton of wisdom and knowledge to share with us if you're in the process of starting or growing your training business. So make sure you listen up to this and make sure you subscribe to the podcast and share it with somebody who this may benefit also.
1: T- 2003, man, I started with one kid, Alex Salcedo, I'll never forget Teresa Salcedo, uh, S- Salcedo lived in my um, apartment complex. And uh, it was funny, man, I had just lost about three and a half million dollars in real estate, um, which, you know, literally had no money. I was, I was struggling, ended up taking a job at uh, the Boys and Girls Club. They allowed for me to get my CDL. I drove the bus for the little bad kids in Southwest Atlanta. And I was, I was doing it cause I knew it would give me the time the the, it was like a two to seven type gig that gave me the time to get to the gym and train afterwards and also train before with some of my other athletes. So I was, I was happy to get it. Uh, I knew it would be a segue, um, you know, a, a, a uh, liaison, so to speak, to doing what I wanted to do full time so um I wasn't going back to corporate America in my normal kind of uh you know corporate job, and I knew I was going to be able to get it off, and that job allowed for me to to actually get it off
0: so when did when did real estate come into play? I,
1: I saw a pharmaceutical
0: sales rep, but I did not see real estate
1: yeah, I started purchasing real estate when I was twenty five I had already uh, acquired seven units. At that time, um, you know was making pretty decent uh, residual passive income at that time. Uh, but when I got here to Atlanta, you know, I had some business partners. We had a bunch of different things going on, some record label, uh, a bunch of other stuff. So we had, we had a lot of stuff going on. The real estate came into play because of course, the market started to boom here in Atlanta, uh, but we were into the purchase and flipping. So you know, we ended up getting a little bit too high end in, in terms of the real estate that we acquired. And when the market started to to crash, we couldn't unload those properties. So we were holding a lot of huge mortgage notes at the time. So, um, you know, it was, it was tough and, and, you know, losing the real estate, things of that nature, uh, really kind of was a blessing in disguise because it pushed me back to, Ultimately, what my primary love was, and that, that was basketball, and it was one of those things. It's like that, it's like that beautiful girl that you, uh, you know you love. Everybody asks you, like, you know, you're still talking to so-and-so, and you're like, man, no, man, I'm good. Oh, whatever, whatever. That's how I was with basketball. Basketball has always been that love interest of mine. It's like it's something that can't – I don't care what I do, I always gravitate back to it. So it was kind of a blessing. It got me back to, I really believe now, was my purpose, my calling. Um, and I started B-Ball 101. How? Um, you, you, know, know, you told me, I, interrupting you, how, how did that bring you back? Because I don't go from losing 3.1 million to thinking, man, I want to start training kids. You, you know, know, when you, when you thought about because like, I was in the gym all the time, like in between, you know, uh, dealing with contractors and, and, and acquiring property and looking for property, and meetings and things. I was at Run and Shoot. So I was at Run and Shoot, uh, which was the world famous 24 hour facility. And I was in there one day and a good friend of mine, John White, was like, look, man, we're gonna put together a tour uh, over to Austria. And man, why why don't you play? Why don't you come play? And I was like, you know, I'm 30, 31, 32 at the time. I hadn't played since I played in Mexico back in 96. And I said, you know what, man? I'm gonna try. I'm gonna a, a try this again. You know what I'm saying? You know, it was at that that moment, man. I'm telling you, you, when you lose everything, it just gets you to a point where you just say, you know what, man, I'll take a risk. And you know, I got in shape, went over, averaged 27 for the tour, had offers from teams in in Lithuania, Germany, Austria, but those contracts fell through. They never they never materialized, and a lot had to do with my age at the time and having to be paid what they could pay a 21 22 year old and maybe have some have a little bit more room to work with you know what i'm saying at that point i already had four knee surgeries so all of those things come into play even though from my from my my play you couldn't tell it from my look you couldn't tell it. i didn't look that age most of the 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 folks there probably thought i was much younger but you know when you get the bio and you see it uh, you realize that I had some age on me. So when, I, when those things didn't work out, we had one more opportunity in Lithuania. I mean, literally like that done deal type. So like, it's a done deal. They'll be sending over the contract, da, da, da. When it finally did materialize, I so said, you know what? It, it's, again, it's, it's a calling, it's a sign. It's just telling me I need to set up shop. I set up shop and run a shoot. And, you know, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me in terms of business. So you, 2003, all right, you start
0: player development, your player development business. Did you, did you start calling it training at first and change to
1: player development? Was it always player We didn't, we, player development was a, a new term. You know, we were, everybody understood training. So, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, it's one of those things, man, that you, you use the term that's most, used and most recognized in the market. Later on, we started to distinguish ourselves and I noticed for a fact, me and Jay Hernandez who's a very close friend, now as a, an assistant coach with the Charlotte Hornets, we really talked about the term player development, player development and we started to change how we how we positioned training and position player development because we really wanted to distinguish ourselves in the market as people who helped people elevate their games, not just, you know, we weren't just giving workouts, so to speak.
0: Got it. Who who else, I mean, in the, in the game, would you consider – do you get called
1: an OG in this space? Who else would you consider an OG? Yeah. Who you get called an OG in this yeah, space? Yeah, man, I'm, a, I'm an OG. I asked you that question. How do you look at uh, – how do you look at me in this game? You you play with Denzel. Denzel told you about me years <laughs> ago. He's an OG. You know, the beautiful thing about what I do, because social media is now finally opening the window to what we do so people can peek in to see what we do. I'm still new to a lot of people. I've been in it so long. People don't. I'm almost two decades in. Right. And I mean, if you talk about now, I'm not talking about when I established a Georgia State LLC. I'm talking about, I have been working with players from a physical standpoint before then, teammates, you know, people that were just in the gym that wanted to get in shape, more so on the physical, athletic end, because that was really my gift. You know, I was an explosive athlete, tremendous leaper, had speed. And those were the things that I really focused on before I started the actual on court training stuff. So, you know, I've been training for almost two decades. So, but I'm, I'm still new, relatively new to a lot of people. What,
0: tell, talk to me about being a practitioner in terms of you have what interests me the most about the videos that I see for you. You have your own terminology for a lot of these uh, concepts that really can't be articulated and not many other trainers have their own terminology. There's only one I can think of. That's Micah. But you have specific terminology and you're a practitioner in terms of playing and doing. But yet... From what I hear and what I've seen, there's a lot of business acumen there, too. Now, what are the main carryovers that you've seen from corporate, although you didn't like it? I'm sure it was beneficial to running your training business. What are those parallels from basketball to business that you've seen? I'll tell you, the
1: greatest, the greatest uh, contributor to my success in business wasn't necessarily the corporate America experience. It was good. I was a salesman. I was at Foot Action USA first as a sales manager, set every company record there when I was, when I was a sales manager, and I became a store manager in 11 months, which was a, a very quick ascension to a store manager position. Uh, from there, I went to um, consumer finance, and I was one of the top producers in the country with Norwest Financial. Went to the mortgage banking side at Wells Fargo, which was Norwest, and then went to Wells Fargo. Community development guy, that was my time to really get the ins and outs of the real estate game. And then I came back to consumer finance and went to pharmaceutical sales, and that was it. But those were all literally sales jobs, right? So customer face-to-face interaction, uh, creative techniques to get people, look, when you can get people to, to get 36% loans in the consumer finance industry, which is what, you know, the, the Norwest and uh, used to be, I think, GE G Financial and First Family and some of these uh, quick, you know, quick loan spots, payday loan type scenarios, you can get people to get 36% loans. You can say, right? So I took, I took that sales experience, but the the true the true knowledge came from network marketing. And that's mm-hmm. how I ended up meeting my business partners. I, I, I got involved with a company called ACN. It was, you know, telephone, energy, um, and some other things, but it was such a great training ground. The mindset, the positive mindset, the stuff that we read, the books that were required, the training really is what set me set me up for success in player development. It was the network marketing more than the corporate America uh, experience that I had.
0: Was there any conf- conflict internally with the ethics of selling the, the loans or the ethics of?
1: No, 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 because it's how you position it. So for instance, um, we would do a 36% loan, but for many people, if it was a bridge to say, for instance, we had, folks with A1 credit, right? That would come in to get the 36% loans, but they were real estate investors. So they would take that money and pay off contractors for a short period of time. Then at the sale of the home, they would be back in in two and a half months. So the actual APR on that money was only 3%, 4%. It didn't go to turn. So it's the way you position it in order to, to sell with integrity or what have you so you know if i knew it would put a family in a worse position i wouldn't do it but it was times that we could do a mortgage loan when someone had high interest credit cards but we could get them a 10 11 mortgage loan which seems exceptionally high now but back in the day when six and a half percent was the loan and seven was the average 10 doesn't sound bad when you're consolidating 26% interest rate credit cards. Getting the, the tax write-off, even though it's only about 60 cents on the dollar, you're getting the tax write-off for the interest on the mortgage, but you're you clear up all of your debt, a lower payment, and you're getting a tax benefit. So the sales basically is how you position your product, and you can still sell products that would be deemed uh, uh, unethical or detrimental to other people, you can still sell those products, and those products be used to help people get in a better financial position. So it's really the the time value of money that you're preaching versus you know, huh, take this you know, a thirty six percent loan, go buy a bunch of stuff, and be in debt for the next thirty six months because these were short loans, thirty six month loans, and we make that incredible you know, that that incredible uh interest off of it. No prepayment penalty. So that too was a, a benefit for people who just wanted that quick money till, you know, they could come back and 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 um you know and and come pay it off. So okay. no and, and that,
0: so and ad- that, I didn't mean to throw you on a tangent there. I was just curious personally, but I know we were talking about the de- net the network marketing and how specifically whatever you learned there has helped you the most in the carryover to the player development business. Yeah. What were you yeah, saying no, about it, the
1: network marketing? Yeah, the network marketing for me, it was just the, uh, and I wouldn't giving away a lot of the secrets, but it's, it's like a, it's a, it's a way that you sell. It's also an understanding of the people that you're dealing with. So personality typing, which is one of the key ingredients to what we teach our kids that we train is how to read people. I know people who are, you know, based on the personality plus profile where you're a shark, dolphin, urchin, whale, and understanding those personality types. So I can tell by the way people dress, the way they carry themselves, the way they greet me with a handshake, what their personality type is. So if I know this, I can talk and speak to their their interests. So for instance, in the, in the financial industry, if you are a shark, you're money motivated. So if I'm talking about money, I'm going to always have your interest. But if you're a whale who is more concerned with helping others, if I keep telling you about how much money you're going to make, I'm going to lose you. So I have to position it in a way is once we close this deal, do you realize how many people you'll be able to help? And so now they're all ears because that's their motivation anyway. So I don't talk about how much money you're going to make. I'm going to talk about how you're going to use the money we make to help other people. Right? Come so those are those are the, the 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 things that were really really uh huge for me. So now I'm talking to kids about understanding their teammates. How am I going to get the most out of, you know, Johnny? Am I going to scream at him? Am I going to come tap him on the head? If I'm a, am I going to say, "Look, I got you, bro. I got your back. Don't worry about that mistake." Right? Or are you going to get into them? Because for me, you might have to get into it. If I respect you, you might have to get into me. I look and, and expect some some kickback. But that was the way I communicated from my environment where I'm from. It's a very aggressive environment, so we communicated a little bit differently. It was like aggressive communication, right? So that moved me. Right, but you can't use that with, say, you know, uh, Jimmy on your team he'll shut down right you also have to know your coaches your coaches personality type because that helps a lot in terms of choosing the right school to go to right if you know this is the way this guy communicates and you understand your personality type you choose not to go to that particular school because you know it's going to be some friction or you realize that that's their communication and you learn to tune it out because you are aware of the difference in personalities, right? So it helps even in situations where people would say, how does he communicate or get along with this person, with this type of personality? It's because he's aware of the personality and he understands that's really just the way he communicates. It has no reflection of who he is as a person. So all of it is beneficial and that's something that we do our best to teach our kids. And that is one of the main things that we learn from network marketing that is, that is huge.
0: Are you still involved? Are you still got a downline?
1: Man, if if I tell you that, I'm always the first thing when you when you enter a network marketing company, they tell you to write down the list of your three top folks. I am always in that three of everybody who knows me that joins a network marketing company. So I'm always getting hit like network marketing, network marketing. But the one myth about network marketing and one of the things that's always been kind of the sales piece with network marketing is that it frees up your time. It doesn't. It doesn't free up your time. You you have to put a lot of time on the front end to get the back end passive residual income in order to free up your time. But at the end of the day, you, you, you got to work it. Nothing is a, it's a, some, a lottery styled network marketing company that you're going to jump in today and you're just going to call a few people. They're going to call a few people. That's going to call a few people. And the next thing you know, oh, you're going to be wealthy. You don't have to work anymore. You got to put some work in it. So that's why I've steered clear until my my business is where it needs to be running smoothly without me in the absence of me. Then I'll venture into some other other things. Now it could be network marketing because there's a few companies that I've I've looked at that I think uh, are viable uh, because I think it could help many of our athletes too. So that's why I'm I'm more intrigued with with, uh, network marketing companies that assist me in what I do right now versus something that is, you know, maybe lucrative, but I really can't feel the connection in in the lane that I'm in right now.
0: So what do you, you, you said something that kind of caught a lot of things that caught my interest, but you said, if you, when the business is running smoothly without you being there, where, and I don't want to speak on anything that shouldn't be disclosed yet, but where are you now with that? What systems do you need to put in place?
1: What is the gap to getting you to that smooth running? Uh, Really, we have the, we got the pieces now. I think we, you know, we have the, uh, the player development coaches that I think uh, can go to another level. Um, You know, we will evaluate just like with anything else, you evaluate business. And one of the things that I'm better at now is swiftly acting. So when, when something is a fit, I I act on it. I make sure that I'm feeding that fit, but if it's not a fit, I also am, I'm, I'm pretty quick now in making the decision to separate if that Person or thing or, uh, you know, um, whatever it is, whatever I I, I bring to the business, whether it's a person, a concept, a camp, I'm going to recognize quickly if that's something that we need to keep, if it's a good fit or that we need to move away from there and go in another direction. So we have everything we need right now. We got high end training. We got competent uh, player development coaches and trainers. Uh, We have the sports psychology. We have the branding and marketing piece that can help our athletes go to another level, which is another piece that is is huge uh, right now in this social media age. We have every single thing we need now. It's a matter of filling out, continuing to 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 fill out our client list and grow, and that's really it. You know, my goal. Uh, I'm never leaving the training game. That's that's something that, you know, when, when people hear me talk like this, you know, uh, they they really do have a misconception that I want to leave the court. Now, I don't want to leave the court, but I do want to be able to preserve my body in a way that I can do it for a prolonged period of time. And the beautiful thing about developing our curriculum system is that the people now that are administering it went through it live in real time. It wasn't they wanted to train and they came to me and learned as a trainer. They actually came through the program and maybe, in a, in a sense, knows it as well, if not better than I do, because they know it from the receiving end. I know it from a creative end, the one that created it, but they received it. So we're, we're positioned exactly where we need to be right now to grow and to Uh, go to the next level of, of, of revenue for our company, which allows us to do more things in the community establish uh, a deeper reach in the AAU game and the travel ball game, a much deeper reach in terms of our international business and travel. Um, You know, I've been in what 13 countries, 14 countries for basketball related stuff. Um, And I think we can take that to another level. But it does allow me, uh, or it does require me rather, to get out to cultivate those relationships. And the more we establish and 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 solidify everything we need to do in the states, I can grow our business international, which helps the entire program. So
0: that's that's interesting. You you have player development coaches. Tamara Tamara Lee is that her name?
1: Now Tamara Stocks. Tamara Stocks, but my ex-wife, she, uh, she's our sports psychology coach. So um, she uh, NLP uh, certified, has a master's in positive psychology. She was a WNBA player, was the all-time stars leader in Florida history, uh, 129 stars, first Nike All-American ever to sign with Florida Gators, played six years uh, internationally. So she knows it from a very – her sports psychology is different than that person who's never been under that type of pressure. You know, she was literally, I think the number one uh, player from, I think sixth or seventh grade, her senior year in, in high school, in, in the state of Ohio or top three or whatever the case may be. So she, she was the highly touted athlete, the hundreds and hundreds of division one offers. So she sees it from a, from a different aspect. She understands the pressure involved with it. She understands how to, um, you know, how to uh, come to some peace or, or, or reconcile with the fact that even though she had an incredible career, it didn't necessarily meet what the expectation was. So I think she brings such a different view to the game right now in terms of that sports site. Because, again, you could have someone who, who is, you know, adept in techniques, but if you've never really been at that free throw line and fit, felt that rumble in that stomach or that immense amount of pressure to knock down those, those free throws, sometimes it's hard for you to just say you got to calm down or you got to breathe or you got to whatever. It's a different level when you've actually been there, been in it. So she brings another level to the to the team. She can
0: empathize with everybody, and that makes sense. So you have, and I wanted to, I asked that because I was curious to see how large the team was, and is this, and also the sports side too. I am interested about that to see what you what you have going on there. But are these are these employees? Are these ten ninety nines? Are these?
1: Yeah, 10, 10, 1099s, Right. We we have um, independent contractors. Uh, And we do have Denzel is now back back with us, you know, after a very good run with his own company. Um, We wanted to merge and really grow. Um, You know, Jasmine Carter, another University of Georgia signee coming out, had some career-ending or or potentially career-ending injuries that looked like with Darrell, her career, but she ended up uh, finishing out at Johnson C. Smith, had a a really good career, averaged 14.6 for a career. She's on board now. Uh, We have Keith Pinkney, who was the number one guard coming out of high school uh, in the state of Georgia, played at Miller Grove, won uh, two state championships back-to-back, signed with Tulane and finished at ODU. He's been with the company. Uh, over the last year and a half, two years, and has done an incredible job. And we had Tony Dukes, uh, my godson, who is who is now, he just accepted a position with the Lakers, so we'll be looking to okay. fill, fill his okay. position okay. Uh, soon. But that's really what it's about. We don't, I, I, my advice, and if Tony was on here, he would tell you, my advice is always, I, I it's not even advice. I'm going to give you the advice that puts you, in my opinion, in the best position at this juncture of your life career based on what your aspirations are. Right. And so Tony, Tony is, he's going to be a coach at some point in time time or a high level scout. So he needs to be getting a little bit more of that right now and still will be able to, you know, when those off seasons come, be able to come back and impart his wisdom with our program. It just, it's it's really great for our program when we have that type of lineage that goes from being a player development coach to being a, an NBA videographer, you know, uh, uh, training assistant. It's many different uh uh, roles that he's played in the G League and with the San Antonio Spurs, now with the Lakers, um, and I know with his personality, with his background and knowledge, based on being through our program and training and developing, I think it's going to really take him to another level, and it's going to uh, prove to be very, very uh, uh, enticing for people to keep him in that NBA NBA family. So um, we're really excited about that. So we'll be losing him. So.
0: So I've asked a lot about the business. And I asked a lot about uh, just your background too. I'm curious, and you mentioned, when I, and then I asked about Tamar, and my research was, was incorrect, but you said you were divorced, correct? Now, yeah. was this while you were training, uh, just growing the training business, is there any correlation there between just the grind and the...
1: Absolutely, man. Absolutely, dude. It, it's something. And, and, and because we're good friends, you know, and, uh, you know, still a lot of love there. We're, we're good friends, you know. And, you know, we are uh, co-parenting three boys who are going to be studs, by the way. So you can mark that down. Just jot that down on your lip. No, mm-hmm. no pad. Now, they're going to be studs, man. But the one thing that 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 I would caution... I would caution player development coaches, young player development coaches is that it's a it's a unique grind because we're an off-hour business. We're, we're not a standard hour if we were eight to five, it, it would work, right but we're not we're five to nine, five to ten week. In. So when you start looking at the family dynamic and a lot of times being able to get you know kids to games or AU practices or things of that nature a lot of that will fall on the mate of a player development coach right and we we do our best but the 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 immense amount of time that's spent you know building other people's families and and other people's children because you are you're you're giving a lot of your energy to other families, right? And it's growing those people individually. Sometimes you do—I uh, won't use the term neglect. You just have less energy for your for your family at that time. Now, I'm a big quality guy, you know, and that's not the—you know—the primary reason that divorce takes place. It's always multiple factors. But as I look back on it, uh, there are things that. I could have done differently even in my business that uh, gave me a little bit more availability. Like um, what? what I'm doing now could have, could have really looked to, to staff, but I was so, um, so concerned with people not, not wanting it to be anyone else but me. So in other words, I, I, I allowed myself to, to, to be painted into a corner in a sense, right? And to become a prisoner to my own success in the business. I get it. You want to work with me, but you're working with the system. It's the system. It's not me. And it's something that I do believe ultimately, especially when we, when we put it out on the market, which will be coming soon, how we train, the way we train. You know, I think it's something that will stand the test of time long after I've exited the business. You know, and I believe because when we look at it, and I don't know how much Denzel talked to you when y'all were in college about certain things, but if you think back to the way Denzel played then, it was some stuff he was doing that was just different. That was just totally different. It was five, six, seven years, eight years ahead. We've been doing that. We're teaching stuff now that's three, four, five years ahead. So, so I believe it'll be able to stand the test of time, and I think it's going to also change the way that people look at, you know, look at player development as a whole. Some of the things that have been held sacred, I don't, uh, I think people are going to start to look at and ask the questions like, well, why did we believe this? You know, why did we do these these particular things? But you know, back to your question, I think. You know, I would, have, I would have set up the business a little bit differently, right? And I wouldn't have painted myself in a corner so much. Uh, and I would have uh, eased in those, those trainers. But the fear also is everybody wants to go out on their own, right? I accept that now. Earlier, I didn't accept it because I gave a lot of trade secrets, a lot of knowledge to player, to, to player development coaches that have worked with me in the past for them to go out and attempt to build their own business, right? So it's a lot of information that I give out. And you want that to return to your business and grow where everyone can eat. But in this day and age, no one is thinking team anymore. Everybody is thinking my brand. And I've always, always thought about the bigger picture. The bigger picture is it's B ball 101. If you notice that it's not Dorian Lee's training system, it's not D Lee's training system, it's B-ball 101. Right? And under the tagline is the definitive player development system, right? That can survive you. Right? And I get it. I get people. I don't have any problem with people who put their name to the forefront, but that's kind of what's been done. From the beginning of time it's it's my name i'd rather it not be my name i'd rather it be a system
0: are there any other challenging times that you you went through i can assure, i can assume i should say that was a challenging time but where you can remember growing the business where maybe one time you didn't even have the chance to get help to hire help or help that you can trust Mm -hmm. Uh, what are some of the 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 nitty-gritty stuff that people don't know about who are interested or actually are player development coaches and want to do it at a level that you're doing it right now?
1: I, I guess humility, humility, uh, being humble is going to be a big piece to all of this. Right. I remember one time it was a, uh, a, a guy, a good friend of mine who was starting his business, Around the same time I was starting my business and I mean it's, it's obvious it's light years in terms of where the businesses are now but he made a comment that he wouldn't um, he, said he would not get on the court with anybody for less than this dollar amount and when I was in run and shoot, what people don't know is that I took clients for free i would find kids in the gym and put them on the court and train them they didn't even want to train i was like come here man put the ball down we're coming over here we're gonna train <laughs> and i started developing players for free then people saw how intense the work was and they started to come and ask questions then because i was there all the time the people at the front desk started to see man he is he has actual shirts he has business cards, right? And so that, when we trace back to the question you asked about corporate America, about, you know, network marketing, how it helped. It helped because I wanted to establish something that seemed to be legitimate. Not mom and pop. I didn't put my number on a piece of paper. You know, I didn't have some regular T-shirt on. I had a college shirt. I was, back then, you know, it wasn't even about the comfort. It was a college shirt, yeah. polo with the the emblem on the side, because I wanted to bring a level of credibility to our industry, right? And I wanted to bring it if you've seen any of my you know posts about uh, you know lending the type of credibility that tennis instructors or golf instructors have lent to their industry throughout the years. See, basketball is a very low margin sport, right? very low margins in terms of, of profit. There is no expectation truly of getting trainers. It's changing a little bit, mm. right? It's changing a little bit, but it's an absolute, What what what's the best word? It is a necessity, an absolute expectation in tennis or golf to have an instructor. You don't even go into the sport. Right. Without thinking, you need to get a tennis instructor a golf coach, right? That's true. Not us. That's why I say it's the most disrespected sport in the world. You know why? Because everybody who's played, even at the high school level, middle school, whatever, I can coach my son. I don't need to get anybody. Myson, you can attest to it. People have brought you clients, and they've dropped them off by saying, <laughs> I could teach them everything, but they won't listen to me. And I'm like, okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. I wonder why. It's no, no,
1: right. No (laughs) handles. You can teach them everything he needs to know about. (laughs) I got you, bro. Okay. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? So that's what we're trying to, we're trying to establish that now. That's why, you know, when I, when I, when I kind of, uh, made my comments the other day about Drew Hanlon. We're always, we're already considered, again, an unnecessary joke type industry in a sense, right? Many of us, not everybody.
0: What did you say about Drew Hanlon specifically?
1: No, I just said, Drew Drew made some comments. He's done it before. And this one, I just finally took exception to it. He, He was talking about clown drills, Clown trainers who do certain things. And, and and for me, we can, we can inspect other trainers. We can dissect things, but at the end of the day, unless we're in that training session, we don't know where they are in the training phase. So I love to see when people say, look at this bull crap, blah, blah, blah. What I need to know is what is the ultimate goal, right? What are they attempting to accomplish right here? And what, Phase are they in of that particular process, right? What people do on Instagram, social media, so it's been a great marketing tool, but it's also a huge detriment because people get 30 second clips, snapshots. And it's like going into a movie. You walk into the movie midway through, you see 30 seconds. Oh man, I already know what happened in the beginning. I know what's going to happen at the end, and you walk out, right? That's what is happening. So, Drew is positioning himself as the non-clown trainer and that everyone else is a clown trainer. Right? No, you're a clown too. If we want to dissect certain things, I can I can say you're a clown. Right? I can break some stuff down. I can point some stuff out that makes you a clown. Right? And the number one thing that makes you a clown, you're beefing with Chris Brickley, right? You're beefing Showing DM messages between two guys. What what are, what are we, what are we, who does that? No no offense to, you know, and, and I, what I'm saying is what Drew is, Drew has been an exceptional businessman, right? Exceptional businessman, right? Stay in your lane, Drew. Stop criticizing other people to elevate yourself, right? You did the same thing that you accused Chris Brickley of. You'd say Chris Brickley is a photo ops guy. He takes a picture of him at the gym. Oh, the black ops run. And he's like, all right, I train him, right? Well, he is. They're on the court with him. They're getting (laughs) shots up with him. So in a sense, he's working with them. So you can can try to say that, well, he didn't help develop. But how much did you help develop Joel Embiid who shows up to your gym? Or really, Zach Levine. You you know what I'm saying? Again, and it's no knock at Drew, but I I really wish people would be a a tad bit more introspective before they make those type comments. And then after the comments, he came down. I'm so tired of it that I'm going to start giving away this stuff for free. We're going to start a text community. So it led into why you need to be with me versus the other guy. Whenever you position yourself and you talk about the competition, you are positioning yourself as the person who is in second place. Because whoever's in first place never ever talks about the competition. Coke has never talked about Pepsi. Ever. McDonald's has never had a fried is better than flame broad Commercial talking about Burger King ever, right? right? You can tell. So even when you are on the top of the mound, you know, supposedly, you still give off the second place energy when you're concerned with other people and what they're doing. Let them be them. We'll have any problem with that. Let them be them. You know what I'm saying? So that's my. That's my take on that. So that's what is what Drew just made a a, a a tweet. Oh, he even made the comment about trainers who are playing one on one with their guys.
0: What did he say about that?
1: But same thing. It's kind of kind of
0: clownish. He he plays though. I've seen him play. He gets, yeah, that's interesting. I I didn't know that though. So that's thanks for enlightening on that conversation.
1: Yeah. So, so, yeah, so I just took exception to it, and I did a video, and I, and, and I, I, I actually got a lot of, lot of feedback from all the major, major guys, players in the game. Mm-hmm. They commented on the post when I talked about it. They hit me in the DM. They shared the story. They were like, hey, OG, that's it, – it is what it is. And I just want to – that's really what I want to do. I want to bring guys, regardless of how much is out there, right, There's two things that we have to maintain. We have to make sure that this remains a dignified business, right? The more we act like buffoons in terms of how we go at other trainers, the more people are gonna look at our industry as buffoonery. So if we have issues with one another, man, that's the offline stuff. That's the stuff you, hey bro, you hit in the DM, or you call, you say, look, man, what's your number? Hit me, I wanna to talk to you about some stuff, right? And that's that's it. You know, it's, it's, the irony of it is, is that if you, you look at our training, like you go back, right? The one thing about social media right now, Mison, My, is that it is a race to video. Whoever gets it to video first is the originator, right? So many concepts that I see that are out now that I know for a fact where they came from, right? If you notice now, everybody is into, <laughs> have you noticed that everybody's doing nuanced skill, micro skill, this, that? Who do you think started the whole detailed stuff in terms of basketball, breaking things down to a, to really a small detail, right? Foot placement, the way that the toe needs to to pivot or the the pivot leg controls the turn, not the outside leg, right? Being loaded, a lot of stuff that we've talked about, literally, man, before social media even came into place, that I talked about on DVDs, that we talked about when we first started our social media, kind of our push, right? And now we see that it's it's, people are seeing that now it's not about the fluff, people wanna hear the, the how, what, when, why, where versus just seeing a spectacular move. When will I use it, coach? Mm. Right? Can you break down a scenario? Right? How often are we going to really use this, coach? Can you let me know how often? Should I be spending 90% of my workout on this or should I spend 90% of my workout on the things that we'll do 90% of the time, coach? So that's how I, I try to – that's how I train, man.
0: You so know, if, and that's
1: how I so – so. You, you call
0: that player development. You don't split it between skill enhancement or game enhancement, I'm assuming. You don't – you mix those two terms, or those are the same thing. For oh. me, I, I
1: say in-game, in-game development. I do split those. I, I, I do. But player development, if you think about what is a player, a player plays – In games right so everything you do in player development really should be in game development even if it's a micro level if it's the skill part of it and then taking the skill into the recognition phase of in-game development or player development but player development encompasses in-game knowledge Right, and that's why I always look when I think about development, man. If you if you think about continuous education, like uh, what they call continuous education credits or whatever, continuing education, it's 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 like one of my good friends, Kevin Witted, always talks about. It's about uploading your software, right? We can train training for me. When you go off to training, what does what does it do, right? It it teaches us a specific skill set and that is it at that time whatever is needed for that time then you have to go to another training 6 months 12 months a year later another training right but if you are in this growth process or this ongoing development right you're always getting your systems upgraded or or getting a new download, right? System upgrade. And that's really what what you're doing. So that's how I look at player development. It's an ongoing, it's a living organism. It's ongoing. So even though, because I'm a quote unquote OG, you'll hear me say training and player development. You've heard me say it through this podcast interchangeably or whatever, because I come from the time when it was called training. So I still have a little bit of that residual effect. But when you look at what we do, what we do is player development and player development can't be separated from the person as well. So player development can't be separated from the game. Player development also can't be separated from the person. Personal development, who you become as a person, oftentimes determines what you become as a player. And so it's very important for me that we're encompassing all of this stuff, man. At the end of the day, the 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 NCAA tagline is that our athletes are going to be going pro in something else other than their sports or whatever that those commercials were about. About people are going to be doctors and lawyers. The stuff that we do transcends the court, so it's important that we deliver a complete, confident individual to the world not just on the court but to the world and we deliver it through what we're doing i'm a firm believer the way you do anything is how you'll do everything so if we can get you to work better on the court be more disciplined more committed to learning your craft recognizing things opportunities as they happen right which is the the, really the name of the game right? Understanding the law of diminishing returns, right? Efficiency, right? Quality over quantity, right? Those are the things that we should be really like, really pumping into the young athletes or professional athletes, whoever we come in contact with. And I think that's really my, I think that's kind of what sums us up more than anything else is that we, we try to, we want to make sure, not try, we do. We want to make sure that that player is a complete person, which in turn is going to make them more, more often than not a complete, complete player. So
0: uh, I've heard, I like that player development coach, personal development coach, performance coach. I've heard, I've seen and heard different titles. Do you, ad lib these or teach these during the session before the session outside the session social media is it
1: all encompassing the medium just doesn't matter it's like every time you come in contact with a person you're touching on all of these things right so if i'm telling a player you know i got players who are notorious for coming to the gym and won't move literally until i say hey dude come on let's get ready you gonna stretch what's up Right, For many, it it doesn't seem like it's uh, what they call a lost leader. It seems as if it's something that doesn't bring a lot of value to a player. What does that have to do with his performance? Yeah, so what he's not stretched or whatever, if he can get up and not have to stretch and still perform, that's not the issue. The issue is what is the perception given off to coaches who control your playing time? What's the perception given off to those that are going to invest, if you become a professional athlete, millions of dollars into you? Do I want to pump a million dollars into a machine that never changes the oil, the filters, any of that stuff, right? Never takes care of itself, if a machine could. Do I want to pump a lot of money into that? Or do I want to pump money into something that, you know, is constantly you know uh making sure that it is ready to perform and to perform over the long haul and not just right now right so those are things that are we got to do every time they come to a to a session it's, it's rare that i'm in a session that i don't stop at some point in time and i say guys you're just not giving me enough right now and i always say it and it's the the thing that i think is 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 the most poignant, I say, you're not giving me enough, right, for you, not for me. I've already played my career. You're not giving me enough for me to give you what you came here to get. You follow me. I do, I do, I do. That there is a lesson, that's a life lesson within itself. That you can't get anything out of something that you're not into, that you're not engaged with. You're not going to get anything out of it. So if you bring me that energy, right, you bring me that awareness, I'm going to give you every single thing you need to go to the next level. That's a fact.
0: What kind of energy do you bring to your your sessions? Is it always energetic, inspirational, or do you feel like you have to motivate kids or are you not the one to motivate them? Is it a
1: mellow? It, it, It depends, but it goes back to the personality type, right? It's certain players I have to find moments to interject. It's some when they hit the door, I'm already on top of them from the time they hit the door. Right, If they have a personality that I feel people can, can beat them down quickly, I oftentimes beat them down and talk to them and tell them why, why I'm beating them down. And when I say beat them down, everything I do still has love with it. It's not, you're not good. You won't be great. You will never hear me utter those words. You'll hear me say, you remember you told me you want to be great. If you want to be as great as you told me, this is not the level to get there, right? And at some point in time, you're going to have to man up or woman up, depending on who it is, woman up, and come in here and do what you have to do to take you to the next level. And during that session, whenever it slips back down, we just had that talk. When are you going to step up and change it? But the difference is, is I've established enough rapport with my kids where I can actually be, be, I think, hard enough on them where they know when it's, when it's, you know, coach, coaches me, it's, it's me, it, yo, my fault, my fault, my fault. I know I'm not bringing any energy, right? Versus why are you always telling me to go hard? You're not telling them to go hard or whatever. It is. We don't have that in our sessions. We don't. We we don't. We We have folks who know for a fact that I love them, and I love them whether they score 20 points, 30 points, 50 points. Doesn't matter to me, man. That stuff is irrelevant. What is your effort like? How did you approach, you know, your playing days? When you played, how did you approach it? So I, I've had players in the past, man, that 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 because they, I guess, they didn't truly know me like they know me now. That when they didn't have great games, they would kind of hesitate to to take calls from me or to to call me during that time And they're playing well. You know, hey, D, well, you know, I had a great game, da 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 da, great. It doesn't matter to me. I'm going to rock with you. I'm going to promote you because I know who you are now as a person. So I don't have any problem you averaging three points a game, and I put you on my page executing the drill. And I boost you and brag on you because you are a better person. I could care less about the basketball part. I care, but I don't care at the same time you, you, you it's, it's a different my mindset is just totally different so our sessions our sessions are always high energy sometimes i walk off the court there's times i walk off of the court and go sit down and i say y'all call me when y'all ready to train when you are ready to start working hit me up i'm gonna be over here on the phone right come on coach we ready come on coach no we are we good we good no no you're not Y'all not move. And I'm not wasting any more energy if y'all not giving me that same energy back. And I'll go sit down, right? Then also, if, if you wanna keep, if I correct something, you wanna keep doing this, say, look, I said, look, I've shown you five times in a row. Again, like I said, five minutes ago, at some point in time, you're gonna have to make a decision To change what you need to change, to get what you need to get from this game of basketball.
0: So what what decision did you make, though? I mean, so you, you preached that on the court, and I'm asking this because I have convictions myself. When I say something, I'm like, oh, you can do that better than that. You can do that as well in your personal life. What conviction or what have you said to an athlete that has possibly convicted you or contradicted what you've been doing? Is there been a, a thing you could think of where you had to make a different choice to get a different result, similarly to what you just said with your athlete? No,
1: no, no not, not at all. Because I think, I think for me, Myson, I, 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 I really do, you know, I'm, 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 when I say I'm not perfect, I think one of the attractions to me as a player development coach for my players is that I don't, I don't lie. I don't lie to them at all under any circumstances. So, for instance, how every coach has always said, man, I never did that. When I got to the line, man, it was, I was calm. I knocked down my free throws. You got it. No, bro, I get it. I know what it feels like when you get to that line, bro. I know, I know what it feels like when you got the weight of the world. I said, but you know what? That's part of the game of basketball. And, yes, I was – look, I was shook. I was shook. That sphincter was tight many a nights. So don't, don't, I'm not going to sit here and preach like I never got nervous. It was nice that I wasn't nervous. It was nice I had butterflies. It was times that I had no hesitation in pulling for the game winner. But it was nice I had a little hesitation when I was already over 8. So that type of honesty, which is the honesty that we should have as parents, which is part of what I do. I feel like these are extended families like i'm I'm it's the same thing I do in parenting when kids believe you do you were perfect as a child they're not going to talk to you about stuff that's really going on in their lives when you keep preaching don't do this don't do this don't smoke this don't drink this and then they go to the uh, Thanksgiving dinner and all your uncles them, so you remember the time you got drunk and you boy man we had to get you in the house and, and you and you shaking your hand like no cut y'all cut it cut it cut it cut. It. Now your kid looking at you like, man, you're a f- straight fraud. I'm sitting here listening to you, and you used to do all this stuff, right? That's the honesty we have to have as player development coaches, right? We, we, I, I, I feel that, and I think, too, that's why our mistakes, our failures, our successes, all of that contributes to us being very good, good player development coaches. But we also have to have a story behind overcoming maybe that failure. What did you do when you missed the free throws that game? No, I went back, I made a commitment that, I, that I'd never be in that position again. I went back to the gym, I shot, until literally my elbow was hurt. My wrist was hurt. I wasn't going to miss another. So that's a failure, failure that you can now talk about how you approached it. Right. And that's why it's always important. When one thing that I tell my, my, my kids as they train with me, I said, guys, y'all going to be coaches one day. It's a good chance. You're going to end up being a coach. Don't be a fraud. Don't be a liar. Don't tell them to go hard when you never went hard. So you're going to have to correct this simply to be authentic when it comes time to be authentic. So everything we do, it's nothing that I've said to a player that I would say I regret or I it contradicted. No, I'll, I'll tell them, you know, it's okay not to be in love with basketball. Tell me exactly what you want to get from this. And some of my kids are very honest. I always ask them the question, do you love basketball or are you in deep like with basketball? So once I establish where they are, it helps me in the way that I deal with them. If I know that they have to survive, because now remember, these are conversations they're not going to have with their parents. Right. But I can get that from them because I know it. You don't have to tell me you don't love basketball. Right? You know how I know you don't love basketball? The second we finish training, you start unlacing your shoes. Not like, hey, D, you want to go You want go one-on-one? Hey, D, can I get some shots up? D, you mind if I stay on, shoot on the other end? Hey, you know, John, can we go one-on-one? Right, like whoever else is in the section. Then you start to see who really loves it, right, and who is it deep like.
0: So what do you and- – and I want to be respectful of your time, too. I know I said an hour, but what do you – you're a competitor. Like, I saw your stats. Golly. Right? What do you compete in now? Is it changing lives? Is it being the best player development coach in the world?
1: I want to be. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm one of those people. I am competitive. You know, I want us – I want – you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit of the – underground rapper right underground rapper who has a following people people like him like man this dude can go but hasn't necessarily reached the commercial success has some commercial success
0: right the art of the quick release the explosive
1: finishing yep Yep. yeah you've had some 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 success but you want to be appreciated for your for your work your art and I think that's really what it's about for me. I do want appreciation. I think everybody wants appreciation for what they do. And I think when they say they don't, I think that's, I think that's a lie. Now, am I concerned to the point that it bothers me where I can't, I just, you know, I'm tired of not getting my credit. No, man, I, I, the people around know, right? The people around know. The people in the industry in my heart I feel they know. They know what's real, who's real, mm-hmm. who's developed. I always talk, I, I talk a lot to people about beginner to pro. How many, how many player development coaches really can say they've taken, taken players from beginner to pro? Right. Th- those are, those are. Few you far between? <laughs> yeah, like, like beginner to pro, beginner to college.
0: Right, right.
1: Beginner the high school, like like that's that's a t- that's a tough one. Usually, people are getting them in, in different phases. But to take, you know, I I love because you know we have we have two young ladies, Diana Collins uh, and Courtney Ogden, who, you know, they started with me both around the same time in fourth grade. They actually play on the same FBC team, um, you know, which is a one of the best AAU. Uh, teams in the country in their age division, if not the best. And they're both on the team, right? On the top 20 list, players to watch ESPN. So this is the top 20 of incoming ninth graders. They're both on the list, right? And I remember, it, we laugh about it all the time because that's – and I'm, I have so much love for them. Courtney was so nervous her first day, she forgot her shoes, Right? <laughs> Diana, we joke all the time. Diana, who, who just made the Swedish national team, me and her always always laugh because I said, you remember that day I was trying to teach you how to shoot and you went behind the backboard and started crying? And I went behind the backboard and told you, I don't care about you crying because I'm spending time with you out here on the court and you need to realize when somebody's spending time, they really do care. It's past an hour, homie. So you need to get back out here and we need to start a shoot, And you ain't leaving until we get this down. So you can tell your mom to come back and pick you up later. You ain't going nowhere. Fourth grade. Fourth grade. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. But we, but, but, but think about, but it's the relationship, because I had to make them aware that you think, you think I'm, I'm being mean to you by punishing myself, by staying longer to deal with your attitude, you better believe that I care about you enough to be here. So so it, it helps them because sometimes you got to think about it. They're picking on me. They're, you're picking on me. You're, what? I got a bunch of, I got some great stuff to do today other than picking on you. Right? So if, you, if I'm here with you two hours, three hours, I, I, I've seen the tears for years, man. The players that have been with me, we've had those moments we've had those moments because i know you got more in you than you're letting on i know you do Mm. and under my watch now i don't care if you go to another trainer who doesn't care that's their business under my watch right and that's part of the the, you know what motivates me or whatever that's part of the ego my resume on my players if my players aren't good what does that say about the player development if they've been with me three years and haven't improved their shooting, what does that really say about my development? And so those are the things that motivate me. I, I'm I'm motivated by that, right? So again, I, yeah, I want you know, I want acknowledgement, um, in a sense, you know, but but that's not the motivating factor. The motivating factor is to continue to put out great work, right? Continue to put out great work. Continue to to touch those that have been entrusted to me, right, and and to make sure that their path is as as uh, su- supported as possible. Now, notice I didn't say as perfect as possible, as as uh, seamless as possible. No, man, because part of the entire process of becoming great at anything is is. Understanding that it's not always a linear process that you go here, you go backwards, and you come back forward, you go up, you go down, you go on your way to success. But most people have this belief that it's just gonna be it's it's gonna be perfect. It's gonna be perfect, right? And trying to impart the wisdom in the parents who oftentimes, you know, a, 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 you know, give off to their kids that energy of just, you know, being domineering, being overprotective, you know, not wanting them to fail at anything, having to really educate the parents that the failure is part of the actual process to success. And if they don't get the failure early on, it's really false success. It's not real. And so that's part of, you know, again, as long as I continue to do good work, man, I, I could care less about the rest of it. I want to do good work, um, you know. Again, yeah, man, I, I would love to be acknowledged, you know, for where I feel the level, but maybe I'm not at that level. To be honest, maybe I'm not. Maybe that's why I need to continue to work, right? Maybe I need to continue to work.
0: It's the game. Right? Yeah, it's that, it's that new game. Like, hey, you, you, I, I feel like I should be getting this much playing time. Coach is not playing me this much. Why is that? Politics is it. Am I good enough? Merit?
1: And that's why, that's why I don't hate on any of the guys out there. like, like, like I said before I laugh, I say uh, on you know, in private, you and I might, you might ask me about a particular trainer, And I might break down like, okay, these are the things I think are really good. These are the things that you know, I, I think he could probably improve. You'll never hear me say that in public. right? It, it's, I, I would never take shots as somebody else. Period. Right? I mean, it, it's just that's the thing again, I think we need to we need to get away from. You know, I, I you know, I think the one thing that I I really hope that people can get from player development from my player development and what I put out is how to determine whether someone is bringing value to your game where you become a more sophisticated consumer, as opposed to every time you see something, every time you see something, you're running to it because that's what it is. You know, you just think it's, this, is, this is the new thing. This is brand new, this is, this is what we need to do. Uh, somebody whispered in your ear at a game that you need to get with this person. And for them to be, to be able to say, you know what, we got our guy. We've seen his work. We've seen his ability to, to improve players in all of these areas, not just in one area, right? And so we're going to stick with him, right? That's, the, that's what I really want to bring to the table, man. I want people, when they see, see what we do, I want them to be able to make good decisions on – who they choose to help navigate their path, their course. So, in closing, is there anything you, any
0: wisdom you would give to young, aspiring trainers, trainers in general, player development coaches? It could be business acumen, it can be the spiritual aspect aside from just the X's and O's skills and game in play
1: breakdowns. What, what, what advice, what wisdom would you give? Be you. VU, take stock, the way I built my company, I made a list of all the things that I did well that were exceptional, quick release, explosive first step, the stuff that I had, right? Stuff that people throughout my career said, you cannot teach that, you were born with that, right? I made a list of that stuff. And then I made a list of all of the stuff That throughout the years, I realized that if I had this in my game, I would have been, instead of 1,600 points in college, it would have been 2,500 points, right? It would have been a different level if I had these things, a mid-range, if I had the dribble pull-up in a way that was consistent, and I knew I had it. Not the, I get to the game and I score 30 tonight, and I really can't tell you where I got them from. It was just, I got them. Because that's how I play. I got them, right? You know, it might have been some pull-ups tonight. It might have been a floater. I posted one time tonight. Not something where I say, when I get to the game, I know I'm going to get three on the block. I'm getting three threes. I'm getting to the line at least six times. I'm going to get two transitions. Where you know it's more of a science behind how you play. That's how I came up with my training. I broke it down and I split it. I'm going to teach everything that people say you can't teach about you the gifts from God, all this other stuff that I knew I developed. And I can tell you the moments in my career that they were developed, right? Because necessity is the mother of invention and the necessity after get my shot blocked six times by Antonio Lane, that was Grant Hill's roommate at Duke, who was the, 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 the top player from our city and I was one of the leading scorers, me and him were, were, were one and two that year in scoring in the city. And by the, the 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 by the end of the game, I was taking shots from twenty five and thirty feet out just so I don't get them blocked. It taught me how to get the trajectory on my shot right, how to get shots off on anybody. So unless I got my shots blocked, you wouldn't even we wouldn't even be talking about trajectory as a as a huge piece of the shooting component inside of my training because I wouldn't have any knowledge of it, right? And that's. That's how I tell players, draw. look, and you, you're going to become a player development coach. Draw a line down the middle. What did you do well? What were you terrible at? Take both of those, put it together, and you teach. You figure out a way. If you, you haven't developed the mid-range and all this stuff, you get in the gym and you figure it out so you can tell people. And to tell them the truth. I didn't have this in my game. If I had this in my game, no, listen to me. I know you're thinking this is just a, 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 a drill today. Let me tell you, I, you have to get this. This is what held me back. So now that's back to that 10 minutes ago when I was talking about the honesty, the honesty. Did you have the skill package in college? No, I had a lot of this stuff but I didn't have it in an organized fashion like I do now where I know I can go to something whenever I want it. I can call on it whenever I want it. That's my advice to young player development coaches. That's it. My advice to them is just be you, but take inventory of what you did well and what you didn't do well. Draw a line down the middle and you teach based on that.
0: I like it. I appreciate that. And uh any any parting words to Mike Dunn said something similar about BU, which is very interesting. Any any positive shots at Mike Dunn? I love when y'all go at each other, man, and just
1: <laughs> what first of all, what positive can you say about Mike Dunn? <laughs> like what what positive that he ball head, that that he's possibly made white guys with bald heads almost sexy again? Like, like I don't know. I I I really don't know, man. But no, now Mike, Mike is. Let me tell you, man. It's weird because you know this is a this is a virtual world. So it's it's weird to call somebody your friend in this virtual world, right? But I he he I, he's a friend, man. He is a a good friend. He's somebody that I will bounce ideas off of. Someone that when we do big things he's in mind to be included. His energy is there. He gets it. But he gets it from the outside in. Meaning, and get this, he gets it from being a human as a player development coach. He gets it because he sees the bigger picture of life. So it helps him see the bigger picture inside of the game. And so that's 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 why I like Mike. That's why I rock with Mike. Right? I I I, I that's why he gets to call me old. Nobody else gets to call me old. He, he gets to call me old. Right? <laughs> right. Because I respect his energy. I respect I think he's in this for all of the right reasons. Right? I think he's in it for all of the right reasons. I've I've seen his maturation in terms of of you know everything his training everything I, I i've seen a maturation right where where people want to come on there and try to take shots at him and how he just smoothly deflects it and just keeps doing Always. what he what he does man i got nothing but so so try to cut this out too because i don't want him to hear any of the good stuff i said about it <laughs> No, I'm kidding, man. I I, I love Mike. Mike's a good guy, man. Good guy.
0: Hey, I appreciate you. Is there a specific username or platform you would like everybody to check you out on?
1: I'm bball101epd pretty much everywhere. Uh, Instagram is kind of my playground. Facebook, uh, if you want to be insulted, uh, probably uh, I'm, I'm most politically incorrect on Facebook
0: really um, why is why is that that's where the parents are what do you mean? i thought that would be
1: the place to be p c no no because i i'm um it, 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 facebook is me instagram is b ball one o one Uh now my facebook b ball one o one page is 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 b ball one o one right but my personal facebook page is just me and and Everyday life, man, and, and and, the things that affect us. And I try my best to, uh, man, you know what? I missed something huge for you, man. Okay, let's, let's catch it. My goal in life is to lend perspective, ultimately. Many people believe I have a position on something simply because I'm arguing the opposing position. Hmm. And I'm not arguing it from a point to prove a point. Other than that, there are different opinions. There are always, there's always an opposing view. And we spend so much time being rigid in what we believe. I always encourage every player development coach, every person, every young person to travel the world. And once you start traveling the world and meeting different people and seeing different cultures and not coming with the, the uh arrogance the western arrogance of i want to impart our right way of living on you and you just come to observe and to to feel and to honor and to respect different cultures you grow as a person and you understand that there's always multiple ways to skin a cat so that's why years ago i got away from right and wrong in terms of uh, absolutes and more right or wrong based on your specific beliefs. So, the same with basketball, right? I grade on efficiency less efficient, more efficient, right? So, you can say it's nothing wrong with shooting underhand because it's not, people make shots shooting underhand. Rick Berry was an 89% career. Free throw shooter in the league underhanded. You 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 know he didn't try that when folks were guarding him, right? Right. Because it's a grossly inefficient shot if somebody's guarding, mm-hmm. right? So is it right or wrong? No, it's not wrong. It's inefficient on the court, very efficient at the free throw line, right? But people like using the the this universal. It's right. Underhand shooting is right okay, in what scenario? It's why I'm always asking, right? No matter what the topic, and and I don't care if it's, you know, uh, women's rights, civil rights, uh, you know, LGBTQ, um, uh, politics. Religion. I am always, always trying to wear the hat of both sides that's that's it right and and to make sure that i i do my best to not be hypocritical and that's that's something that i think is really big and if you can do it in sports i think it'll be great if you just lend different a different perspective Hmm. so that's it bro
0: man i appreciate you appreciate your time and uh definitely God willing, have you back on the podcast again if you're willing to do that, man. I enjoyed it. I think everybody else is going to enjoy listening to this, too. Hey, I am very curious to know what you thought about this episode so I can keep doing the same things of what you like and get more interviewees, trainers, business professionals, basketball professionals that you want to hear from. So if you
1: can,
0: if you're willing and able, do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast, and more importantly, hit me up on Instagram at Myson Jones and let me know what you thought about this podcast. And hopefully you will listen to the next one.